Heavenly Father, you truly are a God of the hills and the valleys. We are so thankful, Lord, that you have given us a book full of stories that help to point to your goodness in the good times and in the bad times. And so we ask now as we continue this series, as we continue to ask the questions, what it looks like for us to live a life that flourishes, we ask that you would please just teach us with your spirit. Give us ears to hear and a mind to understand your words. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So if you if you looked at the title of the sermon, the title of our sermon is the spirit the the highs and lows of the spiritual life. And when it comes to our spiritual life, we often think about these mountaintop experiences and some of you may have heard this. For those of you who have never heard of what a mountaintop experience is, it's one of those spiritual moments in your life when you feel like you're in the presence of God. Maybe you don't see him with your eyes. Maybe you don't hear God with your ears. But you have just this overwhelming sense and this overwhelming feeling of being in the presence of this transcendent God. And a lot of times this happens to us when you go on like a mission trip. If you've ever gone on a short-term mission trip and you're doing this work. And a lot of times on these mission trips you have these daily morning and evening devotionals. And maybe you're doing a week of evangelism, and so you're just constantly surrounding yourself, and, and your life is oriented towards really coming together and worshiping and praying and singing. Other times, these mountaintop experiences happen when you go up on a retreat. And so for us here in Southern California, oftentimes we'll go up to Pine Springs Ranch, which is our, our local retreat center for our church, and oftentimes we go up there and you're up there singing songs and you're spending this intentional, quiet, solitude time with God and you're learning new spiritual practices. And so you just are overwhelmed with the sense that God is present with you there. And we have these mountaintop experiences and we just feel like, oh man, everything is just amazing right now. I can't, I'm on fire for the Lord. You know, sometimes when we come to church and we hear really good music and, and we hear a good message, it's another one of those mountaintop experiences where we're just like, you know, God is surely in this place. God is present. And so we have this overwhelming feeling. And that's oftentimes what it is. It is a very real thing that God is present to us, that God is there. But a lot of the times it's this really intense feeling of this joy this intense feeling of happiness, this intense feeling that we can't really articulate with words how it feels. And so we call this thing a mountaintop experience. But what happens after every mountaintop experience? Yeah, there's a lull. Because the metaphor works, you're on the mountaintop, it's theoretically closer to God, right? That's why we say these mountaintop experiences. In the Old Testament, people would go up on a mountain to be closer to God because that's how they understood the world, that God was up there. And so what we find is that we have these moments, but there's always going to be a lull. And oftentimes these lulls are either just a feeling of, man, I don't feel as on fire as I was, Oftentimes these lulls happen because we come back to earth. And if you've ever been to Pine Springs Ranch and you don't have Verizon as your phone carrier, you're completely disconnected from the world. And so the funny thing about that is, is when we don't have our phones and we don't have our Netflix or our Amazon Prime or anything to distract us, then what ends up happening is we have more time to be present not only to ourselves but to each other and to God but the moment you start coming down that mountain, what starts happening to your phone? 
all the messages that you missed over the last couple of days that you were there start coming up. And so what ends up happening is that although we were once in a state of being away from distractions, all of a sudden we're now returning back to this life of distraction. And so when it comes to the spiritual life, many of us want to live on the mountaintop. Many of us want to continue to experience the joy and that feeling. And when you don't feel that joy and happiness, then we instantly think that something is wrong. But here's the fallacy with this way of thinking, is that faith is not a feeling. You see, so many times we think that if our life of faith is going well, then we're going to be happier and filled with joy. And the reality is, is the life of faith has its hills and it has its valleys. And the life of faith isn't always filled with you just being happy all of the time because that's just not how humans live. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is an interaction that you have with God. Faith is about trust. Faith is about entering into the presence of someone else and building that relationship. And so I want to show you a story, and I want us to do this biblically. So I want to look at a story in the book of Exodus, and I want to show you what these mountaintop experiences can look like and what happens when we come down and things aren't the way we want them to. Because that's what happens in these mountaintop experiences. It's a controlled environment where everything's great, perfect, and lovely, but the moment we come down, all these other things seem to start going wrong. It's like we forget how good things were. So I'm going to invite you to open to Exodus chapter 34. We're going to look at this mountaintop experience. Exodus chapter 34, verse 27. Verse 27 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Write these, this was at the end of God telling Moses the Ten Commandments for a second time, all right? So Moses just finished talking to God. God gives him the Ten Commandments. It says, Write these words. In accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So I made a promise, I made a deal. And the Bible says, And Moses was with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. I want to pause there for a second. Forty. The number forty in Scripture is a symbolic number that is this time of transformation. So do you guys remember the book, um, uh, like The Purpose Driven Life? If any of you read that book, it was based on a forty-day cycle. Right? Elijah was on the run for forty days. Moses was on the mountaintop for 40 days. Jesus was in the desert for how long? 40 days. So this number 40 is what the ancient Bible writers would say is 40 days is this moment, this 40 days, this journey of what transformation looks like, and it takes 40 days. And so if you go to any of these Christian bookstores, or, or just on Amazon, I guess, but we prefer bookstores, um, what you find is tons and tons of Bible studies that are based on how many days or devotionals? 40 days. Because biblically, the ancient writers believed that transformation takes 40 days. And the Bible tells us that Moses was on this mountain top on Mount Sinai with God. And it says that he had no distraction. He had no food, no water, nothing to distract him from being in the presence of God. 
And that's what happens. We mimic these things when we're up on these retreat centers or these mission trips or even just in church for an hour and five minutes, right? We, we're here and we're in the presence of God. And listen to what happens next. Verse 29. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. As he came down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. It'll make sense in a few verses. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation to return to him, and Moses spoke with them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he gave them in the commandment all the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what had been commanded, the Israelites would see the face of Moses. The skin of his face was shining. And this is like one of these clear pictures in Scripture. And the reason that Moses' face was shining was because he had been in the presence of God. You know, the face was understood to be the place that your soul lets its energy out of, right? We, we say things like, the eyes are the window to the what? The soul. And so the face was kind of like, it was the barometer for how you were feeling. And so in the ancient world, when people would fast, the one instruction that they were given is that they should still take showers put oil on their head and make themselves look nice so that people wouldn't know that they were actually starving inside. Because the face was what told people how they were feeling internally. Isn't that what we still do today? You ever like come into contact with someone and they say like, what's wrong with you today? You know, and you're like, nothing's wrong with me. And it's like, well, what's wrong with your face? A lot of things, but nothing, I think. Right? But like, our face, your demeanor, really gives a clue as to how you're feeling, as to what's coming out from your soul. So when we ask questions like, how is it with your soul today? We kind of already know because we see the demeanor of your face. So the face tells how you truly feel, regardless of what your words are saying. And so when we look at the story of Moses, it tells us that he was in the presence of God and his face shined. His mountaintop experience shined. Now, the first time we see this happening was like 20, verse, 20 chapters earlier. And when Moses comes down from the mountain the first time, he was, actually, like, he was so mad because do you guys remember what happened? Moses was up on the mountaintop with God for the first time. He has the Ten Commandments in his hands. He comes down and like, because he took too long. Remember the days, the 40 days. He took too long. And so the people started thinking, Moses is dead. He's not coming back. Maybe he ran away. Let's build for ourselves our own gods that will take care of us. You see, the reason that the Israelites had such a difficult time trusting in God was because they didn't get to be face-to-face -face with him. In Exodus and in the ancient world, they had statues and idols and places where the gods lived. And so you could go to a place and say, God lives there, or God is present, or he's present in this statue, and so I'm going to come and pray to this God. But those gods were dead. There was no God inside them. 
But then you have the God of Scripture, and he says, I am who I am. I am the living, breathing manifestation of the whole existence of the universe. I am the one who speaks everything into existence. I will go with you. But the reason that wasn't enough for for the Israelites and sometimes for us today is, God, we just want to see you standing here like we see ourselves. We just want to be able to touch or grasp onto something. But I think God understood and knew that if he gave us something to hold onto or grasp onto, we would forget that the true God was living, breathing thing. So when Moses comes down that first time from that mountain, Aaron, who was supposed to be his like right-hand man, who was supposed to back him up in everything he did, dropped the ball and instead made a calf, a golden calf idol for the people to worship. And what does the Bible tell us that Moses, that Moses did? He broke the tablets. I know the cartoon would say that he threw it at the golden calf and broke it, but the Bible doesn't actually say that. But like he gets mad. He had just been in the presence of God, and then he comes down, and the people who had literally been led out of oppression, who had literally seen impossible things happen, totally forget and disregard all of that, and instead they make this golden calf, and Moses is like, have I, have we, did we not just go through all of these amazing things, and now you're reverting back to where you were? You see, our mountaintop experiences, there's always that lull, and oftentimes that lull comes when we give too much of our emotional energy to the other things that are going on when we come down from that mountaintop. And that very first time, Moses let all of those negative things get to him. But then we see that Moses goes up, which is what we just read, and it says his face shined because he was in the presence of God. You know, you don't have to go up to a mountain to be able to be in the presence of God. And you don't just have to come to church to be in the presence of God. Obviously, we believe church is an important part of our spiritual life. I love church, and I think we should all be here. But this isn't the only time in your week when you get to be in the presence of God and allow God's presence to shine in your life. The wonderful thing about what we believe is that we can enter into the presence of God any moment, any time of the day. And even the very simple act of breath is saying the name of God. And so Moses shows us that his face was shining and our face can shine. But when we allow ourselves to be distracted from being in the presence of God, then we kind of come off that mountaintop and begin to experience these lulls and these valley experiences. And so I want to show you what Moses does. So we all like feeling the joy of mountaintop experiences, but what happens with the feelings that accompany those valley experiences with the pain and the suffering? And so I want you to look at um, just the, the next, the chapter before God comes to Moses again, and he says, it's time for you guys to move on to the next stage in your journey. The journey took, how many years did the journey take from Egypt to the promised land? Was it 40? Yeah, it was 40, right? Another number of transformation. It would have only taken a couple of days, but God knew that there was things that he had to teach them along the way. And so he says, it's time for you guys to move on to the next stage in your journey. And here's how we deal with those valley experiences when things aren't going the way we want them to and our feelings aren't really matching up. Because I feel like that's how a lot of people feel 
when it comes to their life of faith, people will come and talk to me and they'll just say, well, I just, I just don't feel it. And I say, that's okay. You don't have to feel faith to have faith. Happiness and faith are not one and the same. They're two separate things. And so when God tells Moses, all right, Moses, it's time to pack your bags, pack your tents, and we're going to move on to the next stage. Verse 11, in, so chapter 33, verse 11 says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then we're going to jump down here to verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you have said to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now if I have, Moses says, if I have found favor in your sight, Lord, show me your ways that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Consider that this nation is your people. So again, Moses, like Moses, the man of faith, our prophet, like our superstar hero, he always struggled as well. Not always, but there were moments of that where he needed more affirmation from God because the thing that he had been called to do was difficult. Verse 14 says this, God says this, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Think about that for a second. When you come down from those mountaintop experiences and things aren't going the way you want them to, Remember the promise that God gives Moses where he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Spiritual soul rest. You see, when the Bible talks about rest, especially when it comes to Sabbath, it's not just talking about a physical rest, but it's talking about the existential, spiritual, soulful rest that we can only find in the presence of God. Which is why, as preachers, we always encourage and tell people, read your Bible, pray, be in a Bible study, listen to good songs. Because we know that those are vehicles, those are gifts that are given to us to be able to help us in entering into the presence of God. So when your feelings of happiness aren't matching up, when you're feeling like you want to have faith but things are going wrong, remember the promise that God gives Moses, my presence is with you and I will give you rest. My presence is with you and I will give you rest. And if we jump down to verse 20, he says, you, God says, you cannot see my face for no one shall see me and live. And the Lord continued, See, this is a place, see, there is a place by me where you shall stand on a rock. So he says, stand here in the cleft of a rock while my glory passes by and I will put you in the cleft of the rock. I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not, or you shall not be seen. So think about this for a second. I'm going to break this down for you. Moses goes from the mountaintop. He comes down. His face is shining. That's how we always want to feel like we've been in the presence of God and our soul 
rises up and through our faith shows that we have this sense of internal peace and balance in the, because we've been in the presence of God. Moses knows what it means, the Bible says, to talk to God as one speaks to a friend. Think about that. For, just let that sink in for a minute. Right? Whenever people say, well, I don't know how to pray, I think the right answer to say is, well, just talk to God as though you would talk to a friend. I mean, that's biblical. So Moses has seen impossible, improbable things happening right in front of him, and God rescues them every single time. Moses still needs the affirmation because Moses, I think, in his human side, was probably sometimes worried because he had to deal with uh, like what the Bible calls stiff-necked people or what our Bob calls people. Um, oh, man, what's the word? Knuckleheads. <laughs> right? That's what they were. These Israelites were like knuckleheads who were just like, they just didn't get it, even though God's like, I, there's, like there's nothing more I can do with you. Like, fine, I'll just suffer you this way, right? But like, like, and, so, and so like Moses like, was needing this affirmation from God because he had to deal with these people who, by the way, kept wanting to go back into slavery because it was the enemy they knew, the devil they knew, right? And so Moses says, all right, God, how do I know if you're with me? And he says, my presence will go with you. He didn't say, I'm going to give you the statue. He didn't say, I'm going to give you a picture of myself. He says, my presence, and we started this series by saying that the presence of God is like a spirit that hovers over everything. My presence is with you. Oh, you're not feeling happy? Your spiritual life doesn't feel like it's the best? My presence is with you. Oh, you're feeling the joy of being on that mountaintop experience? My presence is with you. You're going through a difficult time and suffering and pain? My presence is with you, and I'm going to give you rest. And then he says to Moses, and this is the lesson for us, he says, I will cover you and I will pass behind you, and then I will release my hand so that you can only see my back. Now, the ancient Hebrew writers would say this about this passage. There's a lot of talk about this one passage. Is that the very best a human can do is to see where God has been. The very best glimpse we have is to see where God was. Which means, when you look back on your life, and you went through that thing in your life where for the moment you were going through, you were just like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But then three years later, you look back and you say, God was there with me. You see, the way spirituality works for us is that hindsight is twenty twenty, And we always can look back on our lives and realize and be aware that God was there with us. We just weren't aware of it. So when God tells Moses, you will see where I was, the ancient Bible writers were saying, like, that's the only way we can ever truly see God is when you take a moment to reflect back and see that God was there all along. It's that story of Jacob who's running for his life. The story of Jacob, he's, he's running for his life. He has this dream at Bethel which becomes Bethel. And it's the dream of a staircase going to heaven and angels coming and going. And in the morning, do you remember what Jacob says when he wakes up? 
He says, the Lord was always in this place. I just wasn't aware of it. You know that place where he stopped? Was it like a sacred place? No, he called it Bethel, house of God, only after he realized that God had been present the whole time. So when we look at the spiritual highs and lows of your faith, the trick, if you want to call it that, is that when you're feeling good and happy and joyful because things are going well, that's a gift. God is present, and God is giving you rest. But when the lulls come and you just feel like it's that dark night of the soul where you're just like, my soul is empty and I'm running on empty, I'm reading the Bible, I'm doing the prayers, I'm doing everything that the pastor says we're supposed to do, and I'm still not feeling that sense of affirmation that God is right there with me because your feelings aren't matching up to your faith. Remember the words of God that tells Moses, my presence, it's with you, and I am giving you rest. You can never equate your happiness to faith. I think faith does make us happier And I think that if we're open and honest, faith does allow us to be more joyful. But it's irresponsible to say that you're always going to be happy. And that's okay. Because in those moments where happiness is at a bare minimum in your life, God is entering your presence and giving you rest for your soul. Let us pray. Gracious God, you truly are gracious. It seems that you always find a way to come into our presence and fill us with your spirit. Father, with the moments when we aren't feeling that, we just ask that you would teach us to see you. We ask that you would cover us, and as you pass, that you would allow us to see where you've been. And that we would continually be reminded that our faith is more than the feeling that we feel, but the interaction that we have with you. Amen.